If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. A Woman's Honor, a dark historical romance novel by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 2. As the Duke had predicted, they rode into his keep that night. The last ten miles had taken two hours since they rode by moonlight. The weary horses had stumbled at every turn. Eleanor sat in the cart battered and bruised, but worked hard to look at ease. The bodies beside her had begun to smell and she was feeling more than a little ill, but she was glad to be in their company. She would defile the Duke's grief as he had defiled hers. When the cart stopped in the stable yard inside the keep, she stood up and stepped over the corpses to wait on the dirt in the moonlight. She watched the men rush about, saw them stabling the horses, and heard the duke issuing orders. She moved toward the sound. Get the men to lay them out in the great hall. He said to Alan. And see if the women can find clean clothes for them to be buried in. They will find some in the trunks in my room. Eleanor interjected. Be sure to lop off their heads and post them on the battlements. The duke thought his dead deserved to be honored. Her brother's head had been put on a pike. The dozens of men his army had killed would lie nameless in a common grave. At her father's house there were too few left to give them the honors they were due. Without looking at her, the duke continued. And please take my lady to the south tower where we need never see or hear from her again. The bitterness in his voice told Eleanor her barb had hit its mark. The tower turned out to be the remnant of an old keep that had been incorporated into the outer wall of a newer, Norman structure. The lowest floor was the height of a man and opened into the stables. Stored hay and grain rested on packed dirt, and dried onions hung from the low ceiling. A ladder and a small circular opening in the center of the structure was the only way to the floor above. The second floor of the tower was a single empty room above the first. It was almost as tall as it was wide, and the light of a single lamp did little to illuminate its distant rock walls, rough wooden floor, or the slender ladder that climbed to the third story. The upper floor of the tower was also a single empty chamber. It had narrow slits for windows and a small charred hearth on one wall. The roof above her head was shaped into a rough cone, the gaps between boards sealed against the rain with straw and mud. When Eleanor had scaled her way to this high place, the duke's servants took the ladder away. Her only way out became a long drop to the hard-packed earth at the very bottom of the tower. Eleanor heard James post two soldiers in the room below hers, and order a watch around the clock. It seemed Eleanor was to be a true prisoner of her wedding vows. Left alone for the rest of the night, Eleanor discovered that the slender windows of her room admitted all the cold night air. She also discovered that sleep was impossible. Huddled against a wall, she had ample time to consider her future. The fiction that she was the Duke's bride, and that the breach between their families would be sealed with an heir to both estates must be maintained until his men were strong enough to complete the occupation of her father's lands. Before the next harvest the Duke would write to Rome that their marriage was a farce. Her guards would swear he never came to her in her tower, and she would have no child in her belly to belie his words. She would be consigned to an abbey. The Duke, by then fully in control of her property and people, 
would petition the king to have his grant expanded to include them. Since her father had no heir, his request would be honored. All that mattered to King Henry was that the lands here be defended by a strong army who could hold this border against the Welsh. As the sun rose, painting the floor and her shivering body with grey light, she was finally warm enough to rest. At midday Eleanor woke to hear the ladder coming up through the hole into her room. One of the guards appeared at the top with a trencher of bread and meat and a flagon of ale. She watched him set the food down and saw his descent back down to the second floor. She watched the ladder pulled away again. As Eleanor contemplated the food, her stomach tightened. She reached into her shirt and pulled out her blood-spattered shift. She felt its stiffness with her fingers and examined its red-brown stains. Eric's blood, her blood, the blood of the wounded and dying she had tended. The worst moments of her life were all recorded in this piece of linen. She had bathed in blood, she remembered. Her woolen gown had been stiff with it when she had taken it off. The maid had been sent to bring her a new one, but her brother had been brought to her while she was still undressed. No one had noticed. She buried her face in the cloth. What a gruesome memento of her brother, the most noble and daring man on earth. How had it come to this? How could she live with these memories? When the duke's men returned, just after nightfall, her untouched food was where they had left it. She watched the guard place a fresh meal where she could reach it. She is starving herself, reported Alan. She did not eat last night or this morning. Drinking? The duke asked as he moved his queen across the board. Neither, said Alan. She will eat when she gets hungry, said James, taking the duke's queen with his bishop. The duke took the bishop with a pawn. She can go three days without water, said Alan. Maybe four or five if she does not move and it remains cold, said James. We will wait, said the duke. The wonderful thing about starving yourself, thought Eleanor on the morning of the fourth day, was that after a time you stopped being hungry and just waited to die. It took a long time and it hurt a lot, but hunger and thirst could be conquered. She heard, with some interest, the rattle of the ladder being moved into place. Instead of the usual guard, she saw first Alan, then James, then the Duke coming up through her floor. In honor of her enemies she struggled into a sitting position. She would have stood if she could. One should meet foes on one's feet. Welcome my old friends. Eleanor said. It was hard to talk after so long without water, but it seemed worth the effort. She turned her head to look at Alan. Will you have me now? Put your babe in your master's place? She spread her legs a little then laughed at his apparent disgust. Dressed in ragged leggings and a filthy jerkin, crawling with lice, smelling to high heaven, she was worthy of her captors at last. The duke's face was hard. We can force you to eat. He suggested. She sighed then replied. I have been thinking about that for four days. I believe that it will just make your position worse. So much struggle and screaming. Alan turned to the duke. They will think you poisoned her. Eleanor nodded as best she could. I think so. The duke moved closer and crouched down. So, what do you want, my wife? How may we entice you to eat? Is it truly your desire to die? Or shall you live and trouble us further? Eleanor looked for a suitable response but it took a long time to find. When she spoke her voice was soft. Which would you prefer, my lord? The duke stood and watched her for a while. So thin, so pale, 
so dirty, yet so resolute. He turned to James. Get the girl a bath, fresh clothes, a bed and bedding, then snatch Mary from the kitchens to serve as a maid. He turned to Alan. Bring some men to lash the ladders so she won't break her neck going up and down. When it is all arranged, bring up some food and I think she will eat it. This time Eleanor's smile was easier to find. Do not surrender to this, my lord. Alan said as Eleanor closed her eyes. What makes you think she will eat now? James asked, mystified. Because she has won. If she dies imprisoned in this tower, I killed her. Any misfortune that comes to her will be laid at my door. The duke shook his head and turned to climb back down the ladder. I wish I could send her to the convent today. He said as he disappeared. A Woman's Honor by Andrea Stewart. Voice recording copyright 2019 by Nancy Fulton. All rights reserved. Music by Pavel Kanzenkov licensed from Pond 5. For more daring love stories, please visit dark-romance.com.